Welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 303. So last week, we were talking about solder equipment, like the, yeah, soldering equipment, right? Yeah, like irons and things like that and hot air guns. Yeah. So I think this week we're going to talk about soldering supplies and consumables, which is a, this is stuff that you like continually use up i guess well, last week we talked about soldering tips which um i guess we can throw into consumables as well again we can talk about that topic because we only lightly touched on it last week um you know i i don't i don't know if i would put a tip in a consumable even though it, it, it does wear out and you replace it um i i would still consider a tip like a tool because i i choose them based off of what i'm doing um and the, the 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 frequency at which I have to replace them is so low. I don't know if I would consider it a consumable. Yeah. Okay. We, we, go refer to last week's podcast then <laughs> about soldering <laughs> tips. Because <laughs> I think we did talk about like um, chisel, sniper tips, conical tips, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Different temperatures, stuff like that. Um, so let's start with solder. Mm. The fun, Which is such, it's fun such a stuff. weird word looking at that word, pronouncing it solder. I mean, pretty much everyone pronounced it incorrectly the first time they see it, right? Yeah. Just like chassis. 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 Huh. I guess I never, I don't remember, but that. You you, you never did that? I had to be corrected. I remember the first time I said that. And someone was but like, I yeah, probably said that. That's not right, dude. It's probably the first time I said that was like 25 years ago, though, at this point. So who knows? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so solder comes in a bunch of different flavors, right? Yeah. Uh, cool Ranch. Yeah, um, nacho cheese. Nacho cheese. Yeah. Um, Screaming cheese. jalapeno. <laughs> That's the best flavor out there. <laughs> uh, no, so, yeah, that comes, there's different kinds of solder out there. Um, so I guess we can talk about different kind of like... Uh, Alloys because they're alloys. Well, I guess technically S blends. blends, yeah. Is uh, well, they're alloys. Um, but there is one that's not an alloy because it's 100% tin. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So what, what, what is what is the naming for that? Like K100 or whatever. What do they call well, it? K not is K100. Kester, right? Right, right. SN100. SN, yeah, duh. That's it. SN's tin on which is kind of weird. Why is it SN on the on the periodic table? Uh wasn't there some like ancient name for tin that was SN? That's yeah. probably it's probably Latin for tin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me look at uh now um, now you got oh, man, this is gonna be a fun one. <laughs> oh, I typed in SN, I'm sorry, I, I get social security number. Um and I'm trying to look for tin. <laughs> uh yes, uh stanum S T A N N U M is the Latin word for it. Ah, okay. It totally makes sense why it's, why it's SN. SN then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, just like peanut butter for lead. <laughs> yeah. PV. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we can separate this out into lead and unleaded. Okay. Okay. You mean, so, you mean, um, good and bad, right? Good. Well, good. And bad. <laughs> depends on who you talk to on that. Yeah. One depends too. on who you're talking to. <laughs> um, Lead is not inherently good. Yes. Um, so thing about lead, leaded solder, is that's what old electronics used to be made with. Um, 
used to be pretty much what all hobbyists used. I know there's a big movement for hobbyists to go to lead free, mm-hmm. um, especially since now like decent soldering irons are like affordable. <laughs> so it used to be like if you had a Radio Shack iron, there's no way you're going to do lead free solder. Right, right. And 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 lead solder is also easy mode. So um, it like it, it made sense for hobbyist level because yeah. the, the total amount that a hobbyist would use is peanuts right yeah yeah it, it not a lot um but ever since 2005 slash six um in production and basically anyone that sells electronics you pretty much have to go lead free um so for leaded because i i have ro- uh, rolls of both and what you need to make sure is if you're going to have both processes on your bench you need to have different tips for your for your uh, and different, actually, pretty much separate equipment for each one. You can have the same handle, that's fine, but you need different, like if you have tip cleaners, that kind of stuff, you need separate out PB versus lead free. Because the moment lead gets into the lead free section, it will never leave. It's always oh, going to be contaminated. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the general le- rule of thumb is don't use lead. Like it, you use lead if you. Lead is the is the harder one to use. I mean, I, I apologize. Lead is easier to use, but it's harder to deal with. So it's one of those situations is if you know you need lead, then you can have a setup for that. But in general, just don't. Yeah. Um now I at home I do pretty much ninety percent leaded and then ten percent lead free. That's basically what I do here. Now at MacFab, it is hundred percent lead free. Like we don't have a leaded line at all, right? Um, so for solder for leaded, if you're going to go lead, I would say most, pretty much all hobbyists probably have a lead setup. Um, probably they probably don't even think about having separate though, um, like a separate tip for leaded versus unleaded. Um, but uh, it used to be you can get uh, was it thirty seven sixty three, which is a, a ratio between lead and tin in your solder and that was like the golden number uh ratio and if you uh, there's like some chart on like like temperature and pressure and like the alloy and like 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 the different mixtures and like there was like a sweet zone at 63 uh uh 37 which was like like it had like the magical properties of lead <laughs> now the best of more both worlds yeah, actually, basically, yeah. Um, now, something that's easier to find is 6040. <laughs> um, 60-40 is a lot more common um, and a lot cheaper. I don't know why it's cheaper. Maybe it's just slacker process controls, so it's easier to make or something like that. <laughs> it's it's easier to calculate 6040. Could be, yeah. Um, you can still get uh, 63, no, uh, 67. Oh, God, 6337. Yes, yes, that yeah. I said it first the first time. In the, yeah, you did. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think I have like a couple feet left of like Radio Shack leaded, and um, so I mainly use sixty forty if I'm using leaded now. Um, so what about you on leaded solder? Sixty forty is what yeah. I use for for leaded stuff. Um, leaded stuff is so easy in general to use that. Um, uh, I haven't noticed a significant difference between those two 
alloys um and 6040 is readily available so i go for that really honestly when i'm buying leaded stuff it's just um if i want uh the flux type you know whichever one no clean or if it's uh clean necessary yeah yeah so i was going to get into that mostly with um well, I have a whole section on flux, but yeah. So what you want to do is you want, when you're buying solder, you want to get what's called flux cord. So the, the flux is, so the solder is actually hollow and it has a flux core inside of it. Now you're going to usually add more flux to your solder joints, but this aids the flow of the solder itself as it's like hitting the soldering tip in the joint itself. Um, so you want to, you definitely want flux core. Um, if you it's don't have flux core, you have to add your own flux. 100%. Because nothing will is, actually stick. Yeah, nothing will stick at all. Um, so, yeah, 6040 leaded is usually, you know, you don't have to go out of your way to get the, the other blend. Um, now, on the lead-free side, uh, I use two different types. I use SN100, which is 100% tin. And then also I use what's called SAC305, which is a blend of tin silver copper and something else in there um and and 305 like describes the ratio um oh there's oh that's right there's another uh flavor of of uh leaded which is uh 62362 which has um silver silver in it too silver silver leaded solder which is really good too that's like that's some that's pretty high dollar stuff um, yeah you, you spend you spend more for it i've I've certainly bought reels of it and it's nice i don't know if it's um I, i'm sure it has applications and uh however most of the applications i've ever seen have just been like it's good because it has silver in it and yeah uh, that's exactly what i see <laughs> yeah it, well, yeah the, I the, mean, like, the joints that you make with it are definitely really shiny yes uh, so, so if if I guess if appearance is uh, is nice and you want something that's easy to work with, sixty two thirty six two does work pretty well. But mm -hmm. it's just you you will pay a lot extra for it. Yeah, any silver is uh, expensive, and because that's actually what's interesting with the, like all the lead free stuff. There's also silver lead free solder, which does the same thing. Silver, at least from my experience, just makes it look pretty. Um, because like pure tin does not look pretty. It is dull. Um, same thing with SAC, SAC 305 has got a little more sheen to it. Looks a little more shiny, but it's still not as like you put a little bit. You put 2% silver in there. Man, it makes that solder joint look look amazing. It's mirror finish kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think I think that's that might be one of the like. I don't know the, the exact details about what would make silver solder better. However, just the visibility of the joints, I think, makes people um, say, like, that's better. That's arguably better because just look at it. Yeah, yeah. May may maybe actually, maybe because of the silver, uh, I'm just shooting from the hip here, but maybe the visibility of the solder allows you to see imperfections better or easier. No, that, that's, that's what it is, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like cracks and cold solder joints and stuff. Yeah. Um, so at Macrofab, we use we're all lead free um so we use sac 305 for all surface mounts and then for through hole we use sn 100 basically 100 tin so we have rolls of both two because our selective solder is 100 tin um i think yours is sac 305 in the pot though 
Stack 305 across the board is what we use. Yeah. Um, I honestly, there's not a lot of big differences. It's just um, just different ways of standardizing. Um, it's 10, basically, like 100% 10 is a lot cheaper than Stack 305. And you use a lot of solder when doing through hole comparatively. Um, but Stack 305 is amazing to reflow. So pretty much. In, well, in terms of in in terms of the uh, non-leaded world. Yeah. In the non-leaded world, Stack 305 is amazing for lead, uh, for reflow. And the basically the additive, the extra elements in there and the alloy help it not what does what's called tin whiskering. So. If you you can use 100% tin on surface mount, but you want to get tin whiskers and debugging tin whiskers is never fun. So, no. whereas with through hold, you can get away with 100% tin because your component leads are so far apart. A tin whisker, I won't say will never form that far away, but they typically won't. Well, and there's a lot of things that go into whisker growth. Um and uh, so, yeah, so the voltage being one of them. Uh, so, so, you know, unless you're dealing with high voltage stuff, you're not going to grow whiskers typically long enough to span the distance between through hole pads. Yeah. And oh, that was that art, that whole like PowerPoint presentation from NASA about tin whiskers. Mm-hmm. So NASA uses, I think it's like one or two percent lead. They have some special alloy, space alloy. For their for their stuff space alloy space alloy and it's got like two percent lead in it aviation is allowed to use some lead to still in their products because of basically any it's like any percentage of lead kills tin whiskers like it just they won't grow uh, uh, so up to 2015 i believe it was um devices that were used specifically in safety environments did not have uh, the requirement of being lead free and so effectively no Rojas. But, but I think in 2015 is when they had to switch over. So at my first job, a hundred percent of our stuff was, was leaded just because it was super reliable. Mm-hmm. Now the problem with this, this is why I would say start transitioning over to lead free, especially for hobbyists too, is there is zero safe lead that can be in your body. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the like I think there's like an OSHA cutoff, but it's like we're finding that like any heavy metals in your body is like that's awful for your body. <laughs> heavy metal poisoning is brutal. Also, uh, Parker and I, we uh, there was someone when I was working at Macrofab, there was someone that uh, we knew who who got it and uh, not at we, Macrofab. No, no, was, I apologize. Yeah, not at Macrofab. We, yeah, like, not we at Macrofab. Separately. And we heard the symptoms and it was just like, oh, my gosh. And yeah. like they, they, you know. It was symptom management for this person, for sure. Yeah. They they weren't um, able to really, like, flush the heavy metals out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's So, if you use leaded, don't eat a sandwich while you're soldering. And I would say just follow... Uh, there's some OSHA guidelines on how much you have to, like, scrub your hands and stuff. Do that. Yeah. Don't rub your eyeballs, that kind of stuff. You know, a, a, a good point with that is when solder is rolled up on a reel and you you take a piece and then you stretch it between your fingers to make it straight, you're actually going to get a bit of dust on your on your fingers. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, you're rubbing and, uh, the lead right off onto your fingers. Right, right. So, like, 
there's a lot of actions you do that you don't think about that that happens and also you know if you're using leaded don't put it in your mouth to hold on to solder or anything like that yeah don't do that either <laughs> now uh so yeah i think there's some osha guidelines on scrubbing and that kind of stuff wear gloves if that's what you want to do um yeah, there's no safe levels of lead that can be in your body or any kind of heavy metals either. Um, so, I mean, can, I think that's a little bit extreme, but like I, I've, I'm pretty sure everyone gets what we mean by yeah, no yeah, amount. Yeah, like, yeah. don't even play that game. Yeah. Um, so again, soldering with lead is fine. Just take the precaution, proper precautions. And the thing about this, I don't, you don't have to worry about the fumes though. I mean. Honestly, don't huff the fumes, but it's not like you're vaporizing lead when you're soldering. So. Oh, just all the all the other tasty flux elements. Just the flux elements. That 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 sixty year old rosin melting out of it. Oh gosh, it's like gross earwax. <laughs> okay, so what brands of solder do you typically you uh, buy, use, whatever? Uh, well, uh, we use AIM A I M at uh, okay. at work. And then uh, I think I still have some of Parker's old Kester uh, that I use for hobby stuff at home. Yeah, I think we use, I think we're a full Kester. I think we have some AIM, um, but Kester AIM, um, buy from a reputable brand that has a uh, a data sheet basically for the solder. <laughs> so you know what blend it is, you know what flux it is. Um, what about diameter? Does diameter really diameter is 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 really big because the at, when it comes to hobbyists i i always i see a lots of problems with it where they just buy ginormous thick solder and in general my 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 um uh, advice is buy smaller than you think you need because you can always feed more into what you're doing and you have much less chance of overfeeding if you mm-hmm. if you have to feed a lot of thin stuff, in fact, I typically buy as almost as small as I can. Uh, what is it? Oh, thirty, um, or or well, I don't remember what what size it is, but it, but I I typically buy as small as I can, uh, uh, and that allows me to solder the big stuff by feeding more in. But it also allows me if I need to go down and put a small bit onto like an 0402 pad or something like that it's really easy to just snipe a small amount on there. Whereas if you have the big chunky stuff you buy at home Depot or something like that, like good luck trying to solder an 0402 with that. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I think I just looked at the reel on my desk and it's 031. Yeah. 031. That, that's, what that's probably a good starting point for people. That's really thin. Uh, but it is really nice, especially if you, uh, if you have a magnifying glass to solder with, you can really put just the right amount of solder and not overdo it easily. Yeah, this is um, my last bit of uh, 6337. Actually, no, I I bought this from EPO here in Houston. Oh, nice. Um, Because I remember because it's MG Chemicals, and that's the brand they they carried. I think they still carry this, too. Um, This is 025, which I think is a little bit too thin. I like 031 the best. I do have a big, big old spool of. I don't know how thick that is. I mean, look at that stuff. Oh wow, yeah, that's like brazing <laughs> solder. I mean, the acid is is leaching out of it. So yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good point. If you're working on electronics, don't buy acid core. Yeah, that's the next thing. Is is um, 
flux. What kind of flux should you be looking at using? Um, for hobbyist, RA flux, hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. You'll get you'll get the best results with the least amount of skill. Yes, uh, RA flux. That's what I use here um, in my home shop. Um, I use RA flux. So my my and make sure that your your flux matches the core you're also using. You don't want to mix fluxes at all. Um, bad chemical reactions happen if you mix fluxes because it will start eating your board basically. Um, if you mix basically like no clean and clean and yeah. Um, RA, what does RA stand for? Ros- it's rosin is what it is. I don't know no, what don't, RA. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. Rosin activated. RA. Oh, oh there we go. Um, and the great thing about RA flux is it's only activated when it's hot. So you can technically just leave it around forever. I've actually pulled out boards that were like 50 years old that had RA flux all over it. And guess what, though? You go in to fix the solder joint and you just heat it up and the flux recongeals into the liquid and like uh, redoes the joint and like, ah, fix now. <laughs> I, I, I would, I, I will say um, you you can generally leave the that flux around but it does depend on your circuit. So if you have yes. really high impedance nodes on your circuit, uh, it will mess with those for sure. So uh, be prepared. We're going to get to that. To flux cleaner is next. <laughs> um, okay. So our home shop, definitely just use RA flux. Um, I think there's actually some like Hackaday articles on making your own flux from like Pine Sap. That's what <laughs> RA flux <laughs> that is. That sounds like Hackaday. It's rosin is tree sap. Yeah, more or yeah. less. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, boil really, it for really thirty well. hours and add a little bit of essence of newt in there, and you have <laughs> essence of newt. Yeah. Um. Apparently, it works really well. Yeah, I think it was. Um. Um. Apparently, it works really well. So, um, other kind of fluxes, you have no clean flux, um, and then you have water wash, and there's other flavors of those kind, but those are the. Those are the three main types. You have RA, water wash, and then no clean. Mm-hmm. Just different formulas in between there. Just make sure whatever one you're... Let's say you have a core of water wash from Kester. Let's say it make sure you get a, a flux pen, for example, that's the same type of formula. Because you don't really want to start mixing them. Because it also makes cleaning really hard. Um, now, no clean is what like... 70% of the industry uses nowadays is no clean flux, which is flux that it's like RA flux, except it doesn't leave as much residue around. And so typically it won't affect the circuit as much being laying around. And it, but it's like RA flux where it's only really activated when you heat it up. So it's not going to eat your board alive. Whereas water wash uh, flux if you leave that on your board, it is going to eat all the copper off that board. <laughs> so I would say from a cleaning standpoint, water wash is awesome because it's just you just hose it off with the with your in your faucet with hot water. And man, it makes your board nice and clean. But it is well, harder to work with. Water water wash, one of the nice things about it is because you have to wash it, that means your boards are getting washed and they come out looking awesome. They look yes. so good after like if you want the most pristine perfect uh look to your boards water wash is a great way to go 
Yeah. And so the difference is sure you can clean RA flux. We'll get the cleaners in a bit. Sure. You can clean RA flux off and it will look amazing. Usually you need a solvent though, to clean RA off. Whereas water wash, you can pretty much just get away with hot water and it will clean right off. So if the look of your board is important, our, uh, water water wash style flux is the way to go. No clean. I would say anyone that's in a home shop or in their garage, just don't use no clean. Mm-hmm. It is just a pain in the butt to work with. It is only It was designed to reduce a process in manufacturing. That's what it was designed for. It was it's designed for mass production, so you don't have to wash boards in the end, which is greener for the environment. Blah 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 blah. Like, but the main thing was it doesn't have a process. It eliminates a process, so it's cheaper <laughs> to make stuff. Um, but no clean is is great at that. Um, that's what we use at MacFab for our SMT, and then we use a water wash for the SMT side. And the trick with that though. You got to make sure you're if you're going to use no clean and wash the board, you have to be very, very careful because a lot of no cleans, when you wash them, they become activated now at room temperature. It removes some of the chemical away and leaves other parts behind. It's like what it, it washing like removes like the organic side and leaves the ionic side or something like that, some chemical mumbo jumbo chemical engineer stuff that I don't understand. Um, so if you water wash, no clean, you're going to have to pretty much use a saponifier or a more aggressive solvent um, to do that correctly. Now at MacFab, or we elbow use, grease or elbow grease. Yeah. Basically if you water wash and no clean flux, you're going to get these, this like white crust around and that crust is actually going to eat your board too. Um, so I, home gamers just don't use no clean. It's just a pain in the butt. Um, An- another thing also, uh, back on sort of the visual side of things, if you use, no- so no clean typically after it's been activated, it it's clear, but it is visible because it's glossy. So, uh, you know, depending on the color of your board and the level of aesthetics that you're going for, it will leave blobs of glossiness around the things that you solder and that it becomes way more apparent on matte colors if you go with matte black say it, it st- sticks out like a sore thumb yeah it creates um, kind of like a, a glossy halo around the solder joint it looks like you put super glue on it but oh yeah that's exactly what it is yeah that's what it looks like yeah yeah so if you have say a red gloss uh what is solder mask on your board it's not as apparent as if you have like black matte because it will show stick out so if aesthetics are your thing no clean's probably not the way to go. Yeah, it, water wash is the way to go if you want aesthetics, though. I mean, water 100%. wash just results in amazing looking boards. It, they're perfect at the end of the day, yeah, but yeah. it's a pain in the butt. Also, something to be really careful with, if you have to water wash your boards, the parts need to be able to go through a water wash process, and sometimes parts can't do that. Yeah, make read your data sheets. And it, sometimes data sheets don't mention it, like transformers just... The manufacturers assumes you know not to wash those. <laughs> right, right. Or potentiometers and things like that. Yes, yeah. Um, anything that's got an opening, you don't really want to wash it. Yeah, like and little so, microphones and things like that. Yep. MEMS microphones, yeah. But those those data sheets typically will let you know, hey, don't wash these. Right, so. but it is also a note somewhere on one of the yes. hundred pages. Page 39, footnote four. <laughs> yeah, don't wash. Don't wash. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, I would say if you don't really care what your boards look like, RA Flux all the, for Home Gamer, RA Flux all the way, um, or Water Wash um, if you want to step up your game in terms of like just process level. Mainly because the next step is cleaning. So if you need to clean your boards, you have water wash, it's water. Like hot water, boom, done. Like distilled water. Honestly, though, all I do is I just toss in my dishwasher <laughs> and clean the boards. <laughs> it works great. Um, no clean, you need to, if you're going to clean no clean, which is a funny way to say it, but sometimes you have to clean no clean, you need to go look up the data sheet for the uh, for the no clean flux and see, it's called a saponifier, and you need to figure out what saponifier they recommend to clean it with. Um, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes you need to do rework, and or sometimes you accidentally mix fluxes or something like that, and you need to go and clean a bunch of no clean off the board because, or like someone spilt no clean all over the board. I mean, that happens. Um, so you gotta you gotta go clean it. Um, now RA Flux is essentially SAP, and everyone knows SAP is a pain in the butt to clean. So you need a solvent to clean that. I think Steven just has a can of flux. Oh yeah, MG Chemical Flux Remover. That stuff's awesome. This it is stuff, expensive though. <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah, this can. I actually still have the uh, price tag on it, and I bought this years ago. It was fifteen bucks for uh, what four hundred gram can of this stuff. But um, it even says it right on the front: dissolves most types of flux, including ionic and non-ionic residues. So that would so, clean no clean. This would clean no clean. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, this would clean no clean after you got no clean wet. Yes. Uh, so this stuff is awesome. You use this with an ESD brush, uh, and you can get rid of most everything on on that board. Mm -hmm. It uh, it just powers through. Yeah. Um, so. Rubbing alcohol, high percentage rubbing alcohol, so like ninety percent plus will clean RA. Anything under ninety percent is not really worth the effort of cleaning. Like seventy percent will just not clean it. If if you can get your hands on lab grade denature alcohol two hundred, which is like that's like the yeah. The top level stuff. Get a little tray, put your board in it, and let your board soak, and uh, and then use a little brush to get rid of it. Um, and if you can't get that, go to your local liquor store and get Everclear. <laughs> Everclear, closest, closest thing, right? That is really close. That is basically a drinkable version of that. Yeah, it does. It doesn't have the additives that make it taste like crap. It just already tastes like crap. It already tastes like crap. Yeah. <laughs> um. Everclear is also really, really good at at uh, at uh, cleaning off RA flux because um, it has enough percentage. But like vodka, vodka does not clean boards. By the way, <laughs> vodka's uh, vodka's thirty percent water, so forty percent water. It's sixty forty. I, I thought uh, I thought vodka was seventy percent. I think it's sixty percent. Yeah. Okay. They, they, I'm sure ever. that there's some rules and regulations behind yeah, it. But yeah. I, I no, think, it's, it's sure. not particularly good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, oh, from chat, Engineer Bob says, NGM also cleans plastic. Beware. Um, also cleans plastic. Isn't that a good thing? Well, maybe, I think, uh, maybe, maybe he's meaning eats plastic. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, this stuff, I don't know. This stuff is good. I, the thing is, I've, I've bought one can of this my entire life. Uh, and so it's lasted me a long time. Yeah, I use... Um, 
I have I have 95% rubbing alcohol. So that's why I use the clean RA flux if I clean it. Most of the time I'm like, I'm gonna stuff it into an enclosure. I'm never gonna see it ever again. <laughs> so you know I don't I, clean it. <laughs> I had a I I had a uh some some stuff I bought a while back where uh somebody had gone in and done repairs on this one product and there was something like eight PCBs in this product and they were all big PCBs and they went in and they used RA flux and it was goopy all over the place and it was gross. They, it was like a radio shack repair job kind of thing. I uh, went over to target garage. and target had 95% alcohol on sale. I bought the entire shelf worth of alcohol and I filled a bin, like a big bin full of it. I just dumped all the boards in them and went to bed, woke up in the morning, pulled them out and there was no RA flux. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what's funny? It fired up and it worked perfectly. So so that's on why if you're using, let's say, RA flux and uh, let's say no clean. We'll throw no clean in there too. So let's say you're using RA and no clean. Why would you want to clean it? Because we know why you want to clean no uh, water wash. You need to clean water wash because it is, it is acidic at room temperature. So it is just <laughs> going to eat your board alive. Right, right. Uh, so why would you those. want to wash something that is activated only when heated up well i can i can tell you specifically from my industry we we design analog circuits that have really really high impedance nodes that are highly affected by parasitic um uh stuff on the board effectively so we have some boards where like constant current sources interface directly with capacitors and things like that and we're trying to get linear ramps uh, and and if there's any parasitic elements due to flux on the board, then that ramp is not linear anymore, and you start to get curves in your in your waves and things. Uh, and flux is the number one thing that that causes that. So um, anytime we do modifications to a board, you know, like you guys have probably seen it before. If you put an iron down on on flux, then it like boils and it splatters yes, all over the yeah. place, right? You do if you do any amount of rework on any of these boards, you have to clean them because you don't know where those flecks of solder uh, residue are going to spray out onto. So we we clean even no clean um, or or RA. We don't use RA at work, but if I did, I would still clean it just to make sure on um, on those kinds of circuits. Yeah, um, it reduces your your. We talked about on the podcast previously uh, voltage clearances and was it clearances and uh creepage creepage it re so flux reduces that mm -hmm. um so if you have high voltage lines you definitely want to especially if you're like right on the edge of the tolerance of like you know you need like 100 mil spacing you know in air well that flux is going to reduce that a little bit um so that's something you got to pay attention to so that's why you would clean ra or no clean in that regard usually though if you're talking to your manufacturer um they'll let you know what they're using and you can figure out if that's a problem or not with your product or not right right now most digital stuff doesn't really care about the frequency stuff. now high frequency rf stuff yes for sure um i think they actually make special no clean flux for that stuff that's like less susceptible to inducing that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I haven't actually built anything with that, but I, I'm pretty sure I've seen that in the catalog somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's it, when it comes to the digital stuff, it ends up being a bit more um, frequency Lenient. dependent. I mean, yeah, you have you have 
edges. That's that's all you care about. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to smear those edges. Nope. Um. Let's see, is that all we have to talk about? Oh, I, I got it. I got. I have a funny tangent here. This is this is related to the digital side of things. Um, I met someone the other day. It was freaking great. I love this. I'm going to use this forever now. This person was talking about their love of analog circuitry, but also the respect for digital circuitry. And they said that they live in the space between zero and one. And I love that. That's so great. <laughs> so that's, that's my response to Parker there when Parker's like, uh, you know, pull, pull it high, pull it to one. Well, to I one live man. in the space between zero and one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my, I think that's my favorite thing I've ever said on this podcast. Pull it to one. Pull it to one. <laughs> So pulling it high or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's my favorite thing. I've, I might be the stupidest thing I've ever said too. It's, it's kind of true though. It is true. Yeah. 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 Doesn't mean it's stupid. Not stupid though. Uh, okay. So flux cleaner. Um, I think we covered all the bases on flux cleaner, but on the other side is cleaning your solder tips, especially this is very important with lead free. It's hotter temperatures, more oxidization, all that good stuff or bad stuff, I guess. Whereas lead, I've actually never really, besides a Radio Shack iron, never really worn out a leaded solder tip before. Um, I guess it could happen. I've never really had that problem before. Whereas lead, lead free, I, I like go through them like once a year or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on on frequency, but uh yeah, lead, with lead-free, you're talking about quite a bit hotter temperatures. And actually, that's that's something we didn't necessarily mention before. We said like leaded solder is is somewhat easy mode. I is I think what I use there. But uh, that, that's the that's the thing about like if you're a hobbyist and you're getting started with lead-free, the thing is you there's skills involved with using lead-free that you don't have to apply with leaded uh, solder. So you you end up learning how to be quicker and how to get in and get out and get the job done. And, and not just mess around with what you're doing. And the thing about lead-free solder is there's a lot more mistakes you can make with lead-free solder than you can make with leaded. Uh, it's easier to get webbing. It's easier to get bridging. It's easier to get just a whole lot of these issues. And a lot of that has to do with how good the tip is on your iron mm-hmm. and you know how clean you're keeping it. How clean it is, yeah. Um, I don't think I have a specific brand I use of tip cleaner, though. It's basically like... A soup. I, I it's like ammonia I, paste. Yeah, it's like a gritty flux is what it ends up being. And this is probably something else that's in it, but it's it's a it's something that will rip the oxidization off your tip and coats it with basically pure tin is what it does, what it's doing. Uh, there's probably other ones out there that do different things, but that's just my experience using them. I've used a couple different brands, um, but just buy a reputable brand. I think Hako makes some Ke- Kester uh, Thermaltronics has a their own thing too. It's you know those little uh, those little discs that it's a little disc, yeah. Just make sure you buy a reputable brand. Like I think MG Chemical makes one. Just don't buy a rando one because who knows it might have lead in it. And then you, you, you know you know what I everything. what I actually do with those things. Um, I I use double sided tape and I stick them to my soldering iron, so I always know where they're at. I'm sorry, not the iron. I stick them to yeah, the I was about face. to say, it, it, like, how would it bend into the... Yeah, it's like trying to lick your ear, right? Uh, like, 
yeah, I, I, I just double sided tape them to the side of my uh, my soldering base, and it's always there. If yeah. I need it, if if I notice that I'm soldering poorly, just give it a stab. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, and that's a consumable. You will go through that. Um, it's always good to clean the tip when you're done for the day too. So before you turn off the iron, dunk it in there, clean it up, and then turn it off with just a big old blob of tip cleaner on it. So, um, uh, okay, so that leads to two things. Uh, one, one thing I've seen people do, I've even done this myself way back in the day, and I learned the hard way. Uh, it may seem uh, appropriate. Don't take a file to the end of your soldering tips and try to like scrape off oxidation or anything like that. It'll work, but you're gonna destroy your your tip. So yeah, don't don't use a file or a grinder or anything on right, the right. Tip. You want to you want to <laughs> chemically clean the tip, not mechanically clean it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, don't like take a knife and try to scrape off oxidation or anything like that. Now, I've, I've before this podcast, I was like looking up different brands of tip cleaner, and I found one that's called Tip resurrection cream i just think that's just an amazing translation error i was about to say like that just sounds like translation <laughs> but but yeah no that's that's incredible yeah yeah uh, um but you you just said no mechanical cleaning but there is a way to mechanical clean well okay sponge thing right right and that was actually the second thing is i wouldn't necessarily well, okay so that you're right that is i guess a mechanical way but it's a very gentle mechanical cleaning uh, yeah. so keeping that brass loofah or whatever that what i don't even know what those are called the little what, sponge things skewer what like they're like pan oh, scouring skewers. pad scour pad that's that's yeah. the word it's like a scotch but don't buy those they make specific ones for soldering which is a lot softer brass yeah um get those well and and so parker had mentioned you know a dip your dip your tip in the in the tip cleaner before the end of the day yet yeah, dip it in there and then give it a couple wipes on one of those uh, uh brass whatever you call them i don't even know what they're called everyone knows what they are though yeah and th yeah give it a couple wipes on that before putting up from the end of the day and then uh so some soldering stations uh come with sponges and i know some like of our workers will use sponges i don't don't use a sponge though like oh a like a wet, a wet sponge yeah, they, yeah. They, those come in like the cheapest of cheap kits always come with a little sponge to but even like high-end like hakos and stuff have a space for them i i throw those right away because they're i i i don't just use the brass sponge there's no reason to really maybe there is and we're just not privy to that information when i, I first started soldering um i did yeah. use one when i was first started but when that was I until i found the brass thing Right, right. Yeah, because I went online. I was like, how to solder? Because my, you know, my, my parents didn't know how to solder and I didn't yeah. know anyone who need. So I went online and I was like, how do you solder? And uh, it was like, you very much need a wet sponge and you need all this other stuff. So I started doing that. And then as soon as I found the brass thing, I was like, sponge is garbage. <laughs> the sponge is, is pretty hot garbage. Yeah. And then you burn the snot out of the sponge. <laughs> it's not even just that, though. It's, um, I always think of it. I wonder if this is the case. This is me just thinking about, about it is the sponge is cold and wet and your tip is hot, super hot. There's got to be some thermal shock on that tip when you hit that sponge. Sure. Or yeah, does it absolutely. or is it just so hot it instantly vaporizes and doesn't matter? I don't know. Well, but but I mean, the, the water has to take energy away from the edge. It has to, tip, but is it right? enough to cause a thermal shock in the in the alloy that the tip's made out of? 
I suppose if you just let it sit on the sponge, then yeah, it's going to. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> so I got one time I was soldering is back in college. I was soldering in, in my garage and, uh, I was really lazy and the sponge was dried out and I poured a little beer in there. <laughs> Get a little bit of malted tip cleaner. It did not smell well though. No, I'm sure. I'm sure that burning beer is not great. <laughs> Cause I mean, there's oh. still a good bit of sugar left over. So I'm, <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's not good. No, that, that's my little story on, on, <laughs> Yeah. sponges don't yeah, use pretty them. lazy get, parker just, yeah it's very lazy because i could have walked like 30 feet and just got the sponge wet <laughs> um use the brass sponges for dip cleaning now i saw i saw a very interesting thing last week that thermaltronics makes an autumn i bet you other companies make this too but they make an automatic brush cleaner which is basically a spinning brass brush like for like a wire brush that you would put on the end of your drill but it's like in a box so you can stick your tip in there and then it will aggressively brush the the tip clean hmm. that, that might be that might be one version of mechanical cleaning that i would be like yeah thumbs up on you know yeah i actually kind of really want to try that see if that machine actually works really well actually you know okay another thing if you have like a steel bristle brush don't use that on your soldering iron no either. brass yeah it's got to be soft right i'm I'm trying to look it up what is that thing called like I, it, on google it's like brass solder cleaner brass wire sponge is what they're calling it okay so mm. yeah brass sponge is what we've been saying brass sponge yeah but it's not a sponge no because it doesn't hold water at all right it looks it looks like one of those uh those Pad scouring for cleaning, pad. yeah, scouring pad for like cleaning. Yeah, dishes. but it's not as as, as even a brass scouring pa- pad that you use for a pan is more aggressive than what this thing is. Because these right. things like fall apart the moment you like touch them. Uh, okay, so that brings up a that brings up a good point. If you solder with any kind of frequency, buy like a whole bag full of these things. Um, cause you'll go through them really quickly, especially, okay. The motion isn't necessarily to just jam your soldering iron into this thing. Cause all you're going to do is compact all the brass into a big old wad of brass and old solder. And then it's worthless. And then it's just like, why are you even using this thing? You want to, it, it's not an aggressive clean. You swipe across it. You, you do get the tip in there and, and swipe it. It's not like a jabbing motion because that mm. will just absolutely destroy the little pad. But even with a, a more gentle swiping motion, these things do go bad, but they're cheap. Replace them often. Yep. Okay. I think one last piece of supplies, I think. Solder well, I, wick. I, yeah, 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 yeah. So what, what, what was, do you have something else with, with tip or you have anything else with tip resurrection cream to talk about? <laughs> No, I need to buy some of that. Does it literally have it like on the can? Uh, in the ad, it did. I have to look it up. I gotta find that link again. Yeah, I could just <laughs> see like a, uh, like a like a, a magazine ad. It's just like some kind of like really attractive soldering iron with like that that tip cleaner next to it. It's like maybe it's got it. Maybe it's tip resurrection cream. <laughs> That's totally gonna be the podcast. Oh yeah, I'm gonna yeah, make for sure. Tomorrow morning, I'm totally gonna make. Photoshop that together. 
<laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. Just absolutely gorgeous. Um, so Solder Wick is the last thing I put on the list. You have something else coming up after this. Um, that's a small thing. Yeah, but so Soldering Wick is the last consumable supply for soldering, I would say. And so Solder Wick is basically copper braid. And there's different widths, thicknesses. Um, they also make it in different. They're impregnated with different fluxes. Um, so on that, this is what you use to kind of like help. If you put too much solder down, this is how you get solder back off the board. Um, and it does it by basically heat and calipari like uh, what's that Ca- calipari uh, action? Uh, <laughs> I cannot pass that. No, word. no, yeah, capillary. Capillary. That's it. I, I pronounced the middle part of the word strong instead of cap. Capillary yeah. action. Yeah. Oh, man. I need to go to like school again. Just to <laughs> no. speak correctly. No. Um, yeah. Capillary action. That's how it works. And uh, actually, is it capillary action? Is that how wetting of solder works? Because basically, it's you're heating up the wick. And so that it, you, well, I think solder, it has boatloads of surface area for it to grip. Yeah, it has on boatloads of surface area. On. I think it's and, both. It's wetting and capillary action. Yeah, so but it's, although uh, although it's on the it's outside, ca- capillary is on the inside of a thing, right? Oh. Like an inside of a tube. Whereas this would this is like a whole bunch of tubes that it's wetting the outside of it. Outside. I don't know. To be honest, I really don't know. But is wetting is the action of wetting as the same mechanic as capillary? I don't know. I don't know. Anything. Actually, I would say I'm going to take that back. It's it's wetting. Basically, there's a lot of surface area of copper. And so it's able to you're wetting the copper, the, the alloy of solder away from the device. Well, OK, so so here's here's Wikipedia, you know, the source of all knowledge on the Internet. Wetting oh, is boy. the ability of a liquid to maintain contact with a solid surface resulting from the intermolecular interactions when the two are brought together. So, okay, I mean, it, it's basically how sticky it is. <laughs> well, it's like, so it is wetting then, not capillary probably. Right, right. Because um, I think capillary is, it's more of a function of uh, the of uh, dilution and the fluid moving through something to distribute itself more evenly. I think it's more like how capillary works. I could be also completely wrong, but I think that's how it works. I, you know, I don't know because I guess if you think of like a strand, one copper strand within copper braid, if you start getting it wet, does the intermolecular intermolecular forces at the very like tip of the wave that's like growing onto it? Yeah, is that's what like the heat and the and the forces is that what causes it to kind of grip and continue to grow up the strand? Well, it's definitely the heat. Yeah. Um. But, but, is it, but wetting, wetting is the mechanism is what I'm Yeah, thinking. is wetting the mechanism or is it capillary action the mechanism? Or is it kind of both or whatever? Anyways, so solder wick. <laughs> um, is, uh, so yeah, it's a braid and it's used to remove solder off, off of boards, off of joints. I use it a lot to remove, like if I'm drag soldering on a, QFN or QFP, if you have a bridge that you just can't get the tip to wipe it away, you just put that little braid there and it'll, it'll suck it away. Um, I buy the uh, fluxless version is what I buy because generally it's a lot cheaper and then you can just add your own flux to it, 
Whereas you can buy it if you if you know you're only going to use RA flux, just get the RA flux solder work then. It's but faster, you, yeah. It's faster, all that stuff. But if you're like me and you still use some other pro, like I sometimes work on no clean boards and sometimes I work on water wash boards. Um, get the get the flexless version. Um, but you have to use flux with them. There's no way it's going to work without flux. But you yeah, can use you'll this. actually damage things if you don't use flux. Yeah, and uh, you will be able to just uh, and you just use it with your iron, and you're able to basically suck solder out of places. I actually use it a lot for desoldering through hole and stuff, mm-hmm. like like to clear out the holes. A lot of people like you will have like the little vacuum pump and stuff. Man, just solder wick, good solder wick, and a hot iron with a you know big chisel tip will do the same job. And be, in my opinion, way less frustrating. Well, use. and it's it's more gentle. Yeah, because uh, the vacuum is a, is a pretty violent event all at once. Yeah. And if you don't have the solder melted properly, you can actually cause damage to the pads. Um, and and so on top of that, uh, one of the so I also use um, fluxless solder wick because it allows you to choose what flux, and then you can have it be compatible with what you're using on the rest of your board which is nice. What I, what I tend to do is I will just get a little um, like dish or something like that. And I'll squirt a chunk of uh, flux into there. And then you can just continuously dip more wick into it. You get the wick is great because it does exactly that. It wicks a bunch of the flux up and then you can go and, and, um, and use it wherever you need to, mm-hmm. which as a somewhat of a side note, like if you're trying to make, surface or if you're trying to do rework on surface mount stuff and it's not simple like two padded components like resistors capacitors say you're trying to do a t-sop component or something like that if you want it to look attractive spend the time wick off the pads the pads will all be flat when you go to install the next component you can make it look as good as if it just came out of a reflow oven exactly if you you hot air a part off and then try to put the new part on it there's no way it's going on flat and it's going to look bulbous that's the big thing is make it Co- uh, make it a coplanar. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Now, do before we get to your last thing, I do want to rewind a bit to flux because you just hit something we completely glossed over with flux is the delivery method of flux. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned pens. Yeah. And so um, with flux, because we talked about rosin core or flux core, I shouldn't say rosin core because that's RA flux, but um, but you have flux inside the core of your solder that you're using get a solder or get a flux pin that's the same formula that you're using and then if you can swing it get the same flux in like a bottle format that's got like a needle applicator and usually you just buy like the flux in like a normal like bottle that you know like that closes stuff and you just get the applicator bottle separately but it's like a little tiny squirt bottle that's got a little needle applicator and that way you can you can really put the flux down. <laughs> right where the you pin, yeah. the pin's great when you just like have to be like, I'm gonna I just need a little dot on like on a, like a resistor. Mm-hmm. Right? You just put a little dab there. But sometimes you're like, I oh, man, I gotta get this like ginormous uh 144 pin TQFP off. Yeah, right. All over the place. <laughs> So, so at work, I do I do virtually one hundred percent of my soldering under a microscope. 
yeah. and so I don't use flux pens because they get in the way of things and they got big old monster tips. I have exactly the, uh, what you just said. I have a little bottle with a needle tip on it and I can very accurately put flux only where I want it to go. And then I'm working right in that one little area. I think it's great to have both applications. Both options for sure. Both options. And then if, if you are working with a big old tub of RA flux, get some acid brushes um, and, and just use those to apply things. But most of the time, if you're working with RA flux and like big stuff, like you're going to be big chisel tips and, and giant solder pads and things like that. You can get away with a acid brush where you just kind of paint it on and go to yep. town. Glob it on. Yeah. Oh, and glob, the better the job. Uh, we forgot to talk about don't use acid flux that you use for plumbers. Like for, Actually, for so we soldering. mentioned that earlier, but um, something uh, worth noting, like I think that ha that's enough of an issue that if you go to the aisle at like the big box, like the blue or the orange one, uh, they the aisle that they have solder on, instead of just saying the type of flux, because most people probably have no clue about it, they say for electronics or not for electronics. Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah. So the one that's not for electronics, that's acid core. Because I think if you had acid core, I'm pretty sure the only way to really clean it is like making a paste of like, uh, <laughs> baking soda. Baking soda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could. Yeah. You just have to like neutralize it, right? Yeah. You'd have to neutralize it before you cleaned it off. Yeah. Um. So yeah, don't use don't use acid core. It'll yeah. It'll just it'll ruin anything you're you're dealing yeah. with. But if you're if you're soldering like a new water pipe in your in your basement, I've I've fixed car radiators with that with that stuff. It's a it's awesome actually. Like it, oh, it's great. I'll, I'll put it this way: is it's amazing what old stuff you can fix with just like a reel of acid core solder because yeah. even like steel parts you can like wet them together and make them stick oh the it's flux kind of is so aggressive on it yeah it's, it's, it's awesome. that acid core is so aggressive it it will make anything stick to anything yeah it's kind of amazing so all right you have solder pot. Is this leftover from last week, or so? So this is this is just a little, yeah, leftover because I realized we hadn't talked about this, and it's a little bit more nuanced because it it depends on your application. There, it does have some bit of a consumable stuff. So this is a combination of last week and this week. So the the equipment I put on here is a solder pot. I think solder pots are actually extremely useful if you're dealing with. Uh, through hole components or if you're doing like cable assemblies or cable wire whatever uh, it's really nice to have a solder pot uh, next to you where you can dip uh, like a, a, a stripped wire in some flux and then dip it right in a solder pot you can tin the leads immediately and that's great for things like um, stranded wires where you just freshly stripped it the wires are all bundled up together and you want to keep them uh, nice and together before you solder them into a PCB or whatever you're putting them into. Um, so a solder pot is a nice thing to have around. And then the consumable for a solder pot is solder. So so in addition to buying solder in reels, you can buy it in bars. And that's kind of why I wanted to put it on here because that's one other consumable mm -hmm. that you might run into. Don't use water wash flux when you're doing those cable assemblies. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. You run into some problems. Basically, because you're not going to be able to wash all the water or all that flux out of your because it's going to wick up into the insulation and you're not going to be able to wash that out. And then about, oh, three, four months later, you're going to get a lot of corroded copper, not flux. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I never saw that in a customer product, but I've seen that in inductors before. So that was interesting. That was very interesting figuring out what went wrong um, scenario. Another another quick side note for solder pots. I've done this in the past. It worked fairly well. You can use solder pots for things other than solder. I found it's a soldering. <laughs> well, yes, but <laughs> I found a I found a uh, a product that went in a solder pot that was a varnish remover. So we had some really fine wire, and you would heat this stuff up, and you just dip it in, and it would only eat the varnish, and the wire oh, came eat out. The enamel awesome. off off a uh, magnet wire. Yep. Yep, and oh, it did, it did so an amazing nice. job on it. Yeah, that'd be so awesome because that's the biggest problem with using magnet wire is mm -hmm. removing that varnish or enamel off. Yeah, this stuff was nasty. We used it under a vent hood, so this is not stuff I would say use for hobby level stuff. You know, you can rely on the good old sandpaper tricks or the exacto knife for hobby level stuff. But yeah. if if you do if you are building enamel coated wire into a manufacturing process, consider a solder pot with some of this stuff in it. Just make sure the safety precautions are there too. Mm -hmm. Imagine having a little pot of uh a highly volatile substance also heated up is it's <laughs> it's ready to go to town. You're ready to go to party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This is the MacFab Engineering Podcast where we could talk about solder for an hour straight. Yeah, exactly. We have two other topics we're just going to put off next week. Yeah, next week. Those are yep. uh, actually speaking of next week, I will actually be down in Texas. So oh, we're going to have an, we're going to have an in-person uh podcast next week. Ooh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, I totally been, forgot about that. It's been 2 years since we've had an in-person. Yeah, that was that July I was up in uh Colorado. That was yeah. That was 2019. Yep. So a little over two years. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember I came up. I came up for vacation, and I'm like, "Oh, it's going to be so nice and cool in Colorado." No, it's the same temperature. Oh, it's hot. Yeah, <laughs> that it was week real hot. was the same temperature as Houston. Now, and the funny is, like the week before that was cool, and the week after was cool. I came up and it got hot. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. Um, I la okay. So last year it snowed the first time in August up here like our it was a week snow it like it didn't even really stick to the ground but it snowed in august the rule of thumb up here is you get the first snow by um halloween halloween is usually mm -hmm. when the first snow hits we are now halfway into november it hasn't snowed and it was 71 today uh it's just it's super weird i think it's colder in texas than it is here yeah it's so. today got up to like 75 it was a nice day today yeah, so it's it's around the same, I guess. Yeah, but it's around the same. I, yeah, this is this is strange. I've been here three and a half years, um, and uh, and now I'm like, what's going on here? This is weird. You're gonna get like eight feet in three days. Yeah, I I did. We did have a snow last year that was. I went out to shovel and it was above my waist. So that was. <laughs> that means that because because your street is like three feet lower. So that street must have been like eight feet of snow. It, it wasn't eight feet, but it was it was okay, deep, like it was, six feet. You would be over was, your head in the yeah. in the street. That was that was one of those nights where like I probably should have shoveled three times, but I was like, I'll just wait and do it all at once. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I was exhausted when I was done. Yeah. The the funny funny story about that. Like I my 
my sister and her family were coming to visit us the next day. So I was like, I'm going to shovel the driveway. I'm going to shovel the sidewalk. The kids will have fun because it'll be a really bunch of snow in the front lawn. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them, hey, I'm shoveling all the snow into a pile in the street because no one was getting out. Um, I'm going to, not the street, I'm sorry, like aside the house effectively in, yeah. in the front. I'm going to shovel it all in a pile. So drive the car and, you know, get some speed and get into my driveway. They drove the car directly into the pile that I, <laughs> I shoveled the entire driveway and the sidewalk and they drove the car straight into it. And we just had to wait for it to melt because it was like, <laughs> really, guys, really? <laughs> you know, that's what I would do. Yeah. I'd try to climb it with my Jeep. Well, with your Jeep. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't have a big old minivan with a bunch of kids. Yeah, I probably there. wouldn't get stuck either. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? I just I, I shoveled you guys a trap for your car. <laughs> Uh, so i think with that we'll end this podcast this week so that was the the macrofab engineering podcast don't get stuck in a pile of snow people take it easy later